Welcome, Welcome to, to X-Rated. X-rated. <laughs> I'm Matt Fisher. I'm Ryan Whedon. We used to date. We don't now. No, now we talk about movies and that's it. Keep it to movies, Matt. So, Ryan, how often do you bathe? What is this? I want stats, like shower to bath ratio. Well, I mean, clearly you don't follow Ryan's bath time Twitter account. I don't know. Uh, Let's see. I always shower before work. If I have a shift at work, I will always shower. Well, then I take it as a compliment that you don't shower before coming and visit me. I did today. Oh. (laughs) So... I was going to say that infers that this isn't work, but... In your face. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I It just depends. Whenever I'm dirty. <laughs> Whenever I feel dirty. <laughs> Is that well, that could be any time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just curious. Why do you ask? I'm currently at one of the longest non-showering streaks of... Uh, my modern history oh, that explains the stink lines coming out of you. <laughs> this fruit fly problem and then these fruit flies are attracting bats <laughs> and the bats are attracting bat hawks <laughs> um, regular menagerie in here when i was in school i would only shower on days that i had to go to class mm-hmm. and every now and again there was like days where like i only had to go to class like tuesday thursdays so there was some long non-bathing streaks in there sure sure uh, but I was on vacation all weekend, and I don't like other people's showers. Just getting naked in someone else's space. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's I like my too. own shower. Okay. I like my Dr. Bronner's. Mm-hmm. I like my towels. I don't like it when other people are around and could possibly barge in. I see. So, shower is uh, a very sacred space for you. It's a safe space, really. You know, okay. I just, I don't know. Anyway, last Thursday was the last time I'd taken a shower. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. You're getting the, the, the full Maddie here. Well, you'd never know. <laughs> Except your hair is greasy. And the fruit flies. And the fruit bats. And the fruit hawks. <laughs> I'm sorry, bat hawks. <laughs> I've got a question for you yeah. regarding showers. Yeah. Um, when in the process of cleaning your body rinsing and repeating yes do you do you wash your hair first first yeah top to bottom it's like washing a car it's good somebody brought this to my attention when i was a much younger lad probably a college age Uh somebody said how what do you start with when you wash and i'm like well my junk and Mm. uh the part needing it the most (laughs) yeah and then i realized i would do my hair last and he said well like isn't that kind of gross then that all that soap from your hair is like going over your body and i said oh yeah i never thought about that before now well, i always start with the hair <laughs> well i also have like the shower head aimed directly at my junk i see you got so i mean it, it, it's it's getting the the urgent care right away <laughs> um and you've got you know, one of those like uh uh basically it's like a water saw right it's <laughs> pressure that's just like and i pull in like my water pick too so oh, it's like Doing, brushing my teeth, water picking, and shower all at once. You know? It's just like a water park in there. It's a Busby Berkeley music. It's an Esther Williams musical in there. Well, I can see why you'd want to keep that to yourself. <laughs> I definitely have days when showering feels like a luxury. It is sort of a first world problem, working in time to shower. Yeah. Or worrying about showering too much or, you know. Running out of soap. Yeah. I keep thinking you've been putting a lot of like our uh, money-related podcast things into terms of the federal minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like when I buy my big thing of Dr. Bronner soap, it's you know, oh, it's like twelve bucks plus tax or something, right? Yeah, that's an hour or and a half of somebody's time. Yeah, I I think it's actually actually like fifteen ninety nine at the QFC here on the hill. Gee whiz. It's worth every penny, though. I know. I love that stuff. I mean, it's going to last you for a while. But still, yeah. you spent an hour working, toiling at your labor in order to buy your soap. It's one of the blessings that I count uh, that I can afford Dr. Bronner's. How much does Jeff Bezos make in an hour? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Wasn't it something crazy? Like, It's in the tens of thousands. Yeah, like, yeah, like $30,000 an hour or something. It seems like... Wealth distribution is a little unequal in this country. Is it whoa, just me? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's not let's not 
make this talk radio. <laughs> I mean, it's just an observation. I'm just asking questions. But you know, if things started getting taxed, you'd never see any of that green. Uh, where would it go? There'd be, never be a Ryan fund. The less, the less fortunate. Yeah. So you just have to make yourself less fortunate. That's where I'm thinking. That's where I'm going with this. <laughs> You're going to quit your job so you can sup at that sweet government cheese teat. <laughs> God, why didn't I think of this before? I should just become a welfare queen. Yeah, there you go. God, that is a plan. Because, you know, it's really easy to get on welfare these days. Yeah. Or you can get hurt on the job. Ooh, that's a good one. Live on that sweet workman's comp. Oh, man. Take that L&I to the bank. I've been paying into that, though. Yeah, you have. For years now. Probably your entire professional career. I'm owed it at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, if the best bang for your dollar would definitely just be unemployment then, because you didn't pay a dime into that. So you're saying I need to get fired? You need to be let go. How's that different? So if you're, that means if you're without, fired, without that's like you stole something. Let go means like we're cutting back or your position is no longer needed here. Hmm. So I need to invent a server slash bartender robot. Yeah, there you go. Like a U-scan for bartenders. Yeah. Uh, what you need to do is invent one of those machines, like those uh, concession stand machines mm-hmm. that has like 108 different types of things that you see at like movie theaters where it's like you choose the category and it like narrows down to like the type of soft drink that you want. So like the ones where you can select like, I want a, a splash of lime in my Coke. Or, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. But for alcoholic drinks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just have people make their own shitty drinks. Mm-hmm. I don't have to make your tequila and Diet Coke anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. True, true drink order. What is that even called? Nothing. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's called disgusting is what it is. I was going to say, like, Coke and something always has a name. Your Cuba Libres or your <laughs> other... I'm not a bartender. Skinny bitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's vodka diet Coke, though. Uh, okay. What's a vodka Coke? <laughs> Basic. <laughs> Boy, that was locked and loaded. Is that a joke <laughs> in the bartender circuit that you guys throw around i don't know <laughs> yes i am judging every single drink you order people what about a gin and diet to- uh diet coke come on that's disgusting put rum and coke i'll accept a vodka coke i'm still gonna judge you whiskey coke is delicious what about a whiskey coke back that's fine yeah yeah if you need a little buffer i get it okay i'm not gonna judge you i'm not gonna judge you if you get it back people are always like i'm a wimp and it's like it's okay Sometimes you need a little help. A little spoons full of sugar helps the medicine go down. As someone who like drank pretty heavily throughout their twenties, I don't think I've ever done a shot without having some sort of chaser. Mm. Yeah, it's not frowned upon, unless uh, it's something ridiculous. What's ridiculous? Gazpacho. <laughs> do they carry that at Pony? Well, they do. Since I started making it oh. every fucking week. <laughs> Is it advertises the Almodovar's gazpacho? <laughs> I'm not allowed to answer that until I hear back from Almodovar's lawyers. But the Almodovar estate has yet to grant you permission. We're working on that. We're working on that. <laughs> you think those Spanish filmmakers have a lot <laughs> in their estate? Well, yeah. They're litigious as hell over there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just cashing in those Goya awards. <laughs> All right, listen up, Matt. We're going to talk about the fucking Muppets. Are you ready? I am ready. I hosed out for this. (laughs) Today's movie is my favorite in the Muppet movie franchise, The Muppets Take Manhattan. 1984, directed by Frank Oz. It is the third movie in the Muppet movie franchises. I'm not sure exactly why it's my favorite other than it's the movie I watched on repeat as a child. Mm. So I I know so much of this movie just back and forth. Okay. And uh, watching it for the podcast today, I just want to say I had good taste as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) So illuminate for me, if you will, what makes this one different from other Muppet movies? Well, 
so okay the first movie is great don't get me wrong the Muppet movie is a lot of fun we're following Kermit as he decides to go and become a star in Hollywood and it really like focuses on the Muppets the great Muppet caper which is this, the one that came out after that the sequel kind of had more human protagonists and the Muppets were kind of the sidekicks oh really and um, it, yeah it's not the Muppets aren't the stars like mm. when you tune into a Muppet movie you want to see the Muppets doing shit right sure um, and so they kind of brought that back to this one and also it's a musical with catchy AF songs, <laughs> and I think it really showcases their talent. I think that there's also kind of a technological leap with the Muppets in this movie, because there was a lot of stuff that I was watching today where I was like, how'd they do that? Okay. Didn't the original Muppet movie have Kermit on a bike, though? Like, standing on the seat and stuff like that? Yeah, how'd they do that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know that Jim Henson said that, at least in the original Muppet movie that there was, like, no animatronics involved. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how they did that then. Yeah. Just, just a real quick, uh, like, a little primer on the Muppets, if you don't know too much about them. They started uh, as just, like, a small group of puppets. Jim Henson started them uh, on a TV show. I, I didn't write it down in, like, the 50s. And then I learned this. Uh, Rolf, the dog who plays piano, was on uh, the Jimmy Dean show, which I've never heard of before. But I went and looked at the up a, sausage show. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And he, he did. Uh, he was like a recurring character on that show. Look, look, I'm going to help you. Wait, open wide. Uh, open wide. Uh, Let's see that. Now. Hey, what happened to the popsicle? <laughs> Basically, what they did with what Jim Henson did with the Muppets was create a group of puppets that were like vaudeville. Stars sure, in, sure. In a way. Okay. Um, and but with also paying uh, homage to like the Punch and Judy puppet show. So it's kind of a combo of those two things. Um, and I mean Muppet itself, the word is a combination of mop and puppet. <laughs> Dad, what's a Muppet? Well, it's not quite a mop, and it's not quite a puppet, but man. <laughs> So to answer your question, I don't know. I'm sorry, marionette and puppet. <laughs> and they're basically, you know, it's a new kind of uh, of puppet show. And the the actual, the, the real innovation was that, like, most of the time before the Muppets, when, when puppets were being shown on TV, uh, they were, you know, in an enclosed stage. Like, it was still a live performance. And Jim Henson's innovation was to take away that stage so they're just presented like they're in the real world. Mm. And the TV becomes the stage for the Muppets. Oh, okay. So, uh that was just like a brand new innovation. I also watched like a 60 Minutes interview with the Jim Henson crew. I was really hoping you'd say Kermit the Frog. <laughs> well, he, he is. He does get interviewed for uh, okay. part of it because these people tend to uh, bring out their characters. And it's amazing how lifelike they become hmm. once they're on like the puppeteer's hands. Mm hmm. It's funny because the camera on the 60 Minute interview would like try to focus on the person talking for the character but kept like panning over to the actual Muppet because it's it feels like that that puppet is talking to you yeah they're, they're just so good at it and I, th I think the nuance of all that really comes through in this movie okay quite a bit I think that you can see for example you know the many ways that you can contort uh Kermit's face for example to really show expressiveness is uh is, is, is incredible so before we go in too far I didn't watch the Muppets too terribly much growing up. Okay. Like, I've seen the original Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. And I've seen bits and pieces of, the, of this. There were a few things where I'm like, I definitely remember seeing that someplace. Okay. But I, this was definitely the first time that I'd seen it, like, start to finish. Okay. But which Muppet do you see yourself as? It's funny. I, I knew you'd ask me this question. <laughs> uh, I've gone back and forth. I don't have a favorite Muppet anymore. Uh, this viewing and this is weird for me mm -hmm. uh i saw myself as a kermit this oh, time really yeah okay. i really found myself relating to kermit's plight okay why is yeah. that i just trying to make it as a sound engineer in the big city <laughs> yeah pretty much and uh you know not giving up on my dream i've gone to the top of the space needle and shouted you hear that seattle i'm staying <laughs> How about yourself? Who do, who do you most relate to Muppet-wise? I didn't take down his name, but the one where, like, every time he was on screen, I was just like, mm, yeah, that one. Dr. Bones or Professor Bones or... Oh, Dr. Teeth? Dr. Teeth. The band leader? Yeah. Every time I saw him, I'm like, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. I'm on that guy's wavelength. I, I can dig it. So you mentioned that this was a musical. Were the other Muppet movies not musicals? No, they were too. I mean, uh, Paul Williams wrote... Um, 
Rainbow Connection. Rainbow Connection and uh, Moving Right Along, all the songs for that movie. So okay, yeah. it's been a long time since I've seen, since I've seen the original Muppet movie, mm-hmm. and uh, like I knew that there were songs in it, but I didn't know that if you could like fully categorize it as a musical. I would. Okay, sure. But like this, I would say is firmly a musical. Yeah, yeah. And like, they're talking about musicals. Yeah, and it's like music is a regular part of the fabric of the movie. Absolutely. Do you like the music? I know that in other past childhood movies that I've chosen, you weren't too excited about it. Well, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I was excited, but I will say that the music in here was overall more enjoyable than a lot of the music that, you know, not to badmouth it, but I like the music here more than, say, Bad Little, or Bad Little Toaster, Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> You're a bad little toaster. <laughs> Who's a bad toaster? <laughs> body talk for electricians <laughs> yeah you've been burning a lot of toast lately haven't you i had to scrape that burnt off so much <laughs> i had to butter you up just right get ready here comes the bagel that was a weird tangent yeah i kept thinking what is the drummer's name animal all right i'm sorry not the drummer the uh the the lady band member oh janice janice i kept thinking how much janice looks like donatella versace <laughs> like exactly like exactly the same <laughs> you i mean it's a chicken and egg situation at this point right like <laughs> i don't know who got inspiration from who i feel like donatella might have stolen her look maybe janice has some choice quotes too does she I love, um... I'll trade with anyone that has a jacuzzi. What really sells it is her phrasing. Yeah. Like, that, she's got that really unique phrasing that, that she can really sell a line. <laughs> Actually, I guess she only has two lines because her other line is... Look, buddy, I don't take my clothes off for anyone, even if it is artistic. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Animal's the drummer. And I, I, I was thinking, at the very beginning, we see drummer going like, Woman, woman. Yeah. How problematic is that by today's standards? <laughs> yeah. But I, he is an animal. Like, he's literally not someone that we should be looking up to. That's in this true. Situation. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Kermit even says right away that he needs psychological counseling. So <laughs> it's kind of rough. By the way, so yeah, it starts off at a college, um, which I thought was interesting uh, that they were all in college. I was really curious as to what everybody's major would be. And specifically, <laughs> Camilla the chicken. Like, what is she majoring in? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Egg lane. Agriculture. Or, yeah. She's part of the 4-H club. Were they all just theater majors? I mean, that's understandable then. Yeah, they let anyone into that. <laughs> you know, you don't even have to know anything to get into that. Yeah. I wonder what their uh, admittance policy is there. Yeah, because I don't imagine many of these people have uh, people... I don't imagine many of these Muppets have, you know, social security numbers or... I mean, maybe they do. Who knows? I don't know. If Muppets Take Manhattan has a failing, it's that it really doesn't address the nitty-gritty of, you know, how did they get this job? How did Kermit fill out a W-4? <laughs> you know... We don't get that scene, you know? It takes yeah, away from the reality portion. takes me right out of the movie. <laughs> I want to know how much Kermit is declaring in federal withholding. Is he... Declaring Miss Piggy as a dependent. Yeah, well, he had, he'd have to do the whole group because apparently they're super dependent on him. As soon as he, like, cracks... So he, what you're saying is he's filing head of households with a dozen dependents. I guess. Oh, man. He's not paying any federal income taxes. Probably then. not, like, yeah. He's he, a real burden. He's getting that sweet government teat right there. Oh, <laughs> so see, I gotta follow Kermit in this. <laughs> That's how I gotta do it. You gotta document that you've paid for more than 50% of all their expenses and they're incapable of, like, providing for themselves. I can I can swing that. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, real fast, I want to talk about what brought me to this movie. I have a list of movies that I started once we started this podcast, and there's some movies that are on there that I still haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. And this movie has was never on the list. Really? Yeah. It, uh, it came to me as I was researching, hunting on the internet for sound clips for that Dabney Coleman clip for our Tootsie episode. I remember that you texted me that one Dr. Beverly Crusher... Ah! 
is in Muppets Take Manhattan. I freaked out when I saw that she was the secretary for Dabney Coleman's character. Do you have an appointment? And then you did this this franchise thing, and I just it all kind of clicked. It all kind of came together for me. Yeah, because like the the Beverly Crusher being the secretary in this movie came like out of the blue. Like I wasn't sure what crossroads you went to that, that got you this information. <laughs> yeah, I just remember, like, yeah. Oh, that was out of context <laughs> yeah. for you. I'm sorry. But yeah, because the text was just like, Gates McFadden is in Muppets Take Manhattan. Like, that was your text to me. <laughs> super excited. That's pre-Next uh, Generation, so. Yeah, this was 84? 84, 84 yeah. yeah. Uh, just real exciting for me. The uh, but anyway, so yeah, this was just one of those things, and then also w- once I really started to think about it after watching that clip, I realized you know Joan Rivers is in this movie. Oh yeah, which she was, looks like she's having a fucking ball in this. That too. is like the best scene. Freckles, you need freckles for cutesy. Oh freckles, and I'll be cutesy. You know what? Lipstick. Why don't you wear lipstick? Pucker, pucker. Oh, oh, this is just, you look fabulous, look at you. And a little more on the cheeks. I think they're, like, her and Frank Oz, who controls Miss Piggy, are, yeah. having, are having fun doing that. Oh, my, like, they both just seem like this is, like, just a day at the beach for them. Yeah. They're like, yeah, let's do as many takes as you want. I'll do this all day. <laughs> And it uh, it cracks me up. I remember as a kid, it used to crack me up too, even though I didn't completely understand why it was funny. But I think it was just like, because it just escalates so well. <laughs> it, it really does. It's also like it like the cameos in all Muppet movies are pretty good, but mm-hmm. they're they're pretty choice here. Yeah, there, there's some pretty sweet cameos in this one. It's so obvious when one's coming because there'll be a character <laughs> with like you just see the back of their head for a long period of time. Like when Linda Lavin gets introduced, we're just following her down the hallway, the back of her head. And then it's like, do, 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 she's the doctor. <laughs> you just know one's coming. <laughs> the cameos that they get in this, I'm like, especially like back at this point in time. Yeah. These were big, like. Brooke Shields? Well, I think uh, Ed Koch, the mayor of New York, yes. was in this movie. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, it's an emergency. Hold on. I'm looking for a frog who can sing and dance. If he can also balance the budget, I'll hire him. So this is interesting. I watch I, I watch till the end of the credits, and you know how normally at the end of a movie they're like all characters are fictitious, da 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 da. This movie had a caveat that said, except for a few of our cameo guest appearances, all of this are, are you know fictionalized and not intended to be related to anybody else. And I was thinking about it, I was like, well, which people would that would they be actually referring to? And I was like, Egg Koch. Yeah. Uh, Probably Liza Minnelli wants to be. I am yeah. Liza Minnelli. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, everybody else is kind of a character. I, I did I like that scene in Sardis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like just like start to finish. Like I like the the Kermit persona <laughs> uh, as he's walking in. Good afternoon, Kermit the Frog. My reservation secretary made a. Reservation for me. I like the sort of like the whisper, like the word of mouth, and trying to get Manhattan melodies off the ground. I was like, I think that is like an exaggerated version of how it works. And I love Liza Minnelli. I guess the real life Sardis does have a portrait of Kermit in it. Oh, that's great. The Kermit as like with the mustache and the no, that's awesome. And like that's the portrait that they have on the hanging on their walls is that Kermit. Well, speaking of Kermit, you know, as a different persona, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when he dresses up as the West Coast producer with the afro. <laughs> Hi, you Lenny, sweetheart, babe. I just flew in from the coast. Hey, I love your office. Don't change a thing. Say, listen, Lenny, my private plane's double parked outside, so I got to run, but I got this Bafo Sacco script for a Broadway slot called Manhattan Melodies. It's totally today, yet tremendously timeless, and I am giving you first look-see because we're like family. Have I ever lied to you, Lenny? Whoop. I think I hear my beeper. Listen, I got a split. I'll have your people call my people, okay? We'll take a meeting, all right? We'll set a conference call. And remember, Lenny, Bafo Lenny, Sacco Lenny, okay? I'll call you. We'll have lunch. Ciao. It's so fast and hilarious, and I just love the idea of Kermit being like, all right, here I go, you know? I also really enjoyed the same thing on the on the Sardis page. Um, I loved the introduction of Rizzo. So this is our introduction to Rizzo the Rat. Like, in general or just in this movie? I, I love Rizzo the Rat. 
okay. in general. I think he's a really great character. But but I mean, was he part of the Muppet universe <clears throat> before this movie? No, no. This is I think this is the first time he okay. got introduced. Okay. Um, I think uh, I just think he's a fun character, and he he he's not as mobile as the other ones. Yeah, so, well, like, I mean, he's smaller than the other Muppets. Yeah, so you can't really get your whole hand in there to make his jaw move. Yeah. But uh, they're just able to make him emote. Like that first scene when he's crying on the table, it looks like he's really crying. Okay, well, yeah. The number for the board of health. <laughs> that does it! Another rat crack, right? Well, I got feelings too, you know. Do you think I'm doing this as a hobby, huh? Do you? You want to know what I make around here, huh? Nothing. Nothing. I live on tips. I work hard. I try to get tips to, to feed my family and, and my mother. It just isn't fair. Because I feel like that's how people treat their servers and waiters sometimes, as oh, if yeah. like they're there just for the heck of it, like because like they're there for fun. It's like, no, these people are putting on a smile because they're getting paid to. And I don't know, there's something about Rizzo's overall demeanor and that I'm like, this rings very true to me. It was a little triggering, to be honest. <laughs> But it, it it also like leads into that great line when it's like, Hey Pete, what happened to those rats you had working here? Oh, customer complain. They say they know like rats for waiters. But it's okay. I make them cook. And then there's that great musical sequence with the rats. Where they're cooking? And, yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. So I looked it up because I was like, some of it was like, how do they really do this? Like, because like he ju- one of those rats jumps off a ledge and makes a pancake flip up. <laughs> How do they do that? <laughs> well, I was looking. Uh, there's one that's like ice skating on butter. Yeah. And I was like, I have to look it up because I'm like, hey, that looks like real butter. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, how do they film them? It wasn't like a quick shot. Like he fucking skated on that butter for a while. It was just real butter. They tried for a long time to find something that would bubble the way the butter would, but like wouldn't necessarily like melt and like start burning the puppet. Yeah. And overall they're like, no, we just like froze part of butter and then put like a melty part underneath it and he skated on that. So it's like when it got to like the frozen part it didn't melt as quickly. Okay. But there was still like a bunch of like real ready to melt butter How did underneath. They move them it. Around? I was assuming like magnets or something underneath. Oh, I didn't think of that, but yeah, I like yeah, the the path that the puppet Rizzo is standing on is just a pat of butter. Yeah, uh, that's actually Masterson that's doing the figure skating. Uh. <laughs> there were so many parts in there. Where I'm like, how are they doing this? Like, there's the one that's the, one of the rats is mixing the pancake batter with like, but he's riding the mixer, like and the I, egg I, beater sort of. Th- yeah, I figured that one was just like on a pole. He was con- someone was controlling from below. But then, like, yeah, there's one point when one of the rats like jumps down, like hunches down, jumps off the top of the stove, yeah. lands on a flapjack flipper. He also like pours pancake batter onto the griddle. Yeah. I mean it like it looks awesome. While watching this scene, I was thinking how in awe I am of like this and like really trying to think how they do it and like nowadays it'd just be CG. Oh yeah. And how unimpressed I would be. There's something about like how did they do this that sucks me in a little more like i watch the scene a little more closely to see if there's hints like is can i see where a string would be or can i see how they did this or is this propped up or is this held this way and i really couldn't like the movies that scene in particular is held together very well i'm like boy i can't it's not obvious how they did this just by watching it yeah it's great and it really speaks to how much life they bring to them as characters in general that when you do pull away for the full shot, you still just believe you believe that that's what it looks mm-hmm. like the whole time, even though most of the time they're just shot from like <laughs> their chest up. You well, know, I was definitely thinking about that in comparison to modern comedies. Mm-hmm. Like to direct a Muppet movie, you have to have a pretty good sort of uh, filmic comedic vocabulary. Oh yeah, because it really is like what's in frame. Is it? It's not necessarily like dialogue funny. It's like how things are shot or how things look. And it's like you're directing like this movie with puppets. So it's like the frame has to be like so high or done here. Cause like, you know, these puppets are only so tall or you need so much space for like the handlers. Yeah. So it really makes you look at like the whole frame in general. Like yeah. that, that's how they've approached the movie is like, how are we going to have this whole environment and have like the strings not showing or the handler's not showing. I don't know. It seemed like the Muppets were like a really logical filmic extension yeah. for comedy. 
I actually had to make a full like because I just was writing all the things that were technically amazing to me. I actually mm-hmm. like started a column where I'm just like technical achievements because it's like it's just <laughs> there's so many times where I was like I don't know how they're doing this. Mm-hmm. And uh, normally that's a criticism from me because mm. like that is something that will take me out. Mm-hmm. But you're right. This time around, it really like engaged me. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I you, you'd think that with a you know 35 year old puppet movie that the the strings would show essentially yeah and they don't yeah like that's what's sort of crazy is you're you're looking to see how they did it and you just never see those strings if there is a string though i could definitely tell the body double during the uh, miss piggy skate scene (laughs) i don't think i knew that as a kid oh okay watching it this time that was a really pleasure pleasure (laughs) section for me just like Film far away, somebody dressed as a full person dressed as Miss Piggy, <laughs> yep. roller skating angrily. Yep. <laughs> also, I love in that scene when he's going through her purse and the last thing he pulls out is a hacksaw. <laughs> yeah. She's just carrying that around. Um, Alright, so uh, big question for you. Okay. <laughs> Miss Piggy, other than Gonzo's girlfriend is the only female representation, and Janice, I guess, but of the the major Muppet players, there's not many females. Right. Is Miss Piggy a positive female representation on screen? Yes. Okay. I'm going to ask you to defend yourself here. <laughs> because she takes charge of her sexuality. It's not so evident in this movie, but more so on the Muppet show. You don't feel that she rapes Kermit? <laughs> disclosure style oh my well i mean in the end he's the one with the power so is he yeah he's like the ringleader well i mean he's in power socially Mm -hmm. but i don't think that power translates to the the bedroom well we don't know we don't get to see that (laughs) we don't get to see the frog and pig uh, frog on pig action um I think it's pig on frog in that <laughs> capital P little F. But I think she, like, I, I do think she's a positive feminist uh God, you winced so much because, while you choked that out. <laughs> uh, because it is important to have, to see a strong woman, even if she is a pig. You don't think it falls into that Tootsie trap, though, of, like, they're uh, equating... Uh, powerful women with masculinity or that masculine women are ugly? Uh, well, Miss Piggy's beautiful. <laughs> Everyone says so. She's but, unique. I mean, do they say so for fear of physical harm or do they say so because she's actually supposed to be beautiful? Hey, those construction workers were on it. She's hot. Ooh, hot hey, baby. Hot stuff. Hey, baby. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I actually will have to take that as independent confirmation yeah. that uh, she has got it going on in a traditional sense. <laughs> Piggy's hot, apparently. Okay. So she's a little forceful, but I guess if she's getting the cat calls, all right, she's got to be a hot piece. Yeah. <laughs> she's taking it on. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll let it go. So she is an attractive, in-control, powerful woman. Well, I'm glad we... we uh, <laughs> regurgitated what we know about third wave feminism into our <laughs> Muppets discussion. Just speaking of Miss Piggy, when everybody had to part ways with Kermit for reasons I'm still not clear on, um, when Jenny uh, says, So where are all your friends? Oh, well, well, they had to leave. Oh, even your pig friend? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's mm. a good line. Um, I also really like when uh, Rizzo is introducing his friends and Yolanda's the last one and comes in and he's like, What a crazy body. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to say that <laughs> this is a little bit of a half-baked plan for these guys. They're like, let's graduate from college. And I know this show we wrote for our college variety senior year show let's try and put it on broadway so they just go to new york isn't that the promise of glee like the last season of glee (laughs) is it uh i gave up after season two but uh 
at some point, like, yeah, they're trying to, like, make it in New York as stars. Oh, I don't know. I thought it was funny later on when they invite everybody back to do the Manhattan Melodies show um, that everyone's all of a sudden excited. We're going to New York City. It's like, you've already been there. (laughs) (laughs) You spent months there, remember? In the lockers? I thought that was weird. So, wait, if in the original Muppet movie, he went to, what, Hollywood? Yeah. To become a star? Did it not work out for him? I have a feeling that the consistency between these is not of it's great not, importance. It's not linear. Yeah. Uh, or this might be a non-canonical entry into the franchise. And in fact, if we want to like add flames to that fire, I would posit that Kermit dies when he gets hit by the taxi cab. Oh. Yeah. And everything after that point is uh, his last dying breath because it, like thoughts that are running through his head. Because then... Uh, you know, his show goes on, but the show doesn't really make a lot of sense. Let's be honest. Okay. Uh, and then the final scene is in that huge white chapel with a um, someone kind of looking like uh, Saint Peter marrying them, and then they go off into the stars. They end up becoming the moon. And wow. That's, uh, yeah. And so they actually didn't get married. That's deep, man. Yeah. I don't have any more brain power to waste on that, but it's possible. If anyone wants to look and back me up on that. Interesting. So earlier I said that there's definitely parts of this that I had seen, mm-hmm. but that I know that I, I hadn't seen the full thing. Okay. One thing that I remember very vividly is I had seen the flashback of them as babies. Ugh. sequence but they're dressed the way they are in the cartoon muppet oh totally and which was came out like a year after this yeah i'm sure it was a way of introducing that but i just thought it was weird that that they would come up with like a wardrobe and everything and stick with it in what's otherwise a throwaway scene in the movie yeah and the nursery is the same nursery that is in the cartoon show yeah the only difference is that there's skeeter i really liked muppet babies too as a kid i liked it a lot as a kid too i don't know how it would hold up today but if it's anything like that sequence i don't want to watch it <laughs> but i do like the line that uh what what is it what are the old guys waldorf and uh astoria astoria no it's not it at all but <laughs> just like uh just before that scene comes on there's like this you know romantic music playing they're like hey, look waldorf and a pig. Yeah, it looks like they're in love. Yeah. Kind of makes you sick, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, yeah, Whoa. I want to ride with them. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are awesome. Yeah, they're pretty great. Also, speaking of odd characters, Lou Zealand, the uh, boomerang fish thrower. My name is Lou Zealand. I'm a boomerang fish thrower. I throw the fish away and they come back to me. <laughs> what a fucking weird idea for a character. How many times can you bring that back? Yeah, probably just once. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's a straight... I feel like he's in the Muppet show a lot, too. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I had no recollection of him. I don't know if that's true or not. I might be making that up, but it's just like... (laughs) They built this whole thing around, I know, we're going to have a 3D movie... And Lou Zealand, the boomerang fish thrower, shows up to the movie with a bunch of fish, throws them at the screen, and then they fly out and hit people with 3D glasses. And they're like, great, let's produce it. Let's go. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) One thing I had a lot of problems with this time around, other than like the Muppet Baby sequence, is what the fuck is Manhattan Melodies anyway? The musical? Yeah, See, it it starts off with a wed with a getting ready for a wedding, and then turns into a wedding. But like the audience kind of disappears, and it's like their real wedding because their family members are there. Were their family members like planned to be part of the show the whole time? I have a lot of questions. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I think this kind of plays into your Kermit is dead theory. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. that's the only explanation I can come up with anymore because the audience disappears once they get to that church. Well, right, because while I'm watching it, it's like them, like doing the musical or getting ready for the musical, and then it bleeds into like the real wedding scene. And I guess I just didn't question it. Like, I was just sort of on board mm. for the ride. But like looking back, and I'm like, 
Hmm. If you think about... You're right. There is no, like, distinguishing mark as to, like, when Manhattan Melodies ends and when this wedding begins. And it complicates it even more when the priest comes out and Kermit says, I thought Gonzo was going to play the priest. So it's like... Kermit still thinks he's in the show. (laughs) Yeah. She just goes... So it's like, have has he been hoodwinked this whole time? Oh man, you're digging deep into this. It's just really I, I like it. <laughs> because then also like if you think about it, the camera, once they get into the church, it goes through like the front doors. And the camera then moves to the other side of the church at one point when they're singing the she'll make him happy. And we see the whole crowd of the church. Mm-hmm. But then there's a wall there. So if the audience is watching there's, they can't see any of that wedding going on. They just see, like, the outside of it. I like where you're going with this. I just think that lends credence to my idea that Kermit died. Yeah. No, Kermit is dead. <laughs> no, I like it. Anyway. Hmm. That's my new running theory of this movie now. <laughs> Hashtag Kermit's dead. <laughs> Next time someone brings up Muppets Take Manhattan in ca- casual conversation, I'm going to point that out to them. <laughs> Watching this, it's sort of funny to me that it's not that like the Muppets aren't funny, but it seems funny that they became so big. Yeah. Like, can you think of like one, like a show or like a troupe, I guess, that has really struck gold like this? I, don't know. I think it's a testament to the talent of the puppeteers. Yeah. And they're just, because they're all comedians first. And then they were like, then they became puppeteers. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's how it worked for most of them. And so, like, you watch them and, like, they can improv like nobody's business. They're hilarious as the characters, you know? Like, they're able to do both. I mean, Frank Oz, who directed this, he's the voice of Miss Piggy, Mm -hmm. among others. But he's also directed a handful of other movies. Of the ones that I'm most impressed with would be Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which I think is a fine film. Oh, yeah. But, like, he still directs intermittently. Apparently, Jim Henson asked him to join uh, his puppet troupe when Frank Oz was still in high school. Oh, really? And he turned it down at first because he's like, I need to finish high school first. Wow. And then, you know, came into the fold afterwards. But he was showing that much talent at that age. There's sort of this... uh... There was an era of movies where you'd see a lot of director cameos in films. Yeah. So John Landis is in this. Right. But Frank Oz also makes an appearance in the Blues Brothers, the John Landis movie. Oh, right. There seemed to be like a time in like the early 80s where like directors made cameos in other people's movies. Like Steven Spielberg is in Gremlins. There's a movie called like Into the Night that also had John Landis in it and like you know, I think there was other directors in that one too, if I remember it really correctly. But yeah, it just seemed like there was like a small like handful of directors that l- would like make little cameos There's in other a, people's movies. D- aren't they watching the Muppets at one point in uh, an American Werewolf in London? Uh, they, they might are. be. They're watching uh, they? the Muppets. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. in the like Nazi dream when like the Nazi guy comes to the door. Okay. They're watching the Muppets. All right. All right. So yeah, it's like John Landis and Frank Oz and Steven Spielberg were like all friends with one another or something that's funny (laughs) i love that that's fun (laughs) it's also weird because you were talking about how like the muppets had sort of like a a, like a punk aesthetic to them Mm -hmm. almost and it's weird because they seem like there's never a point where it's not like family friendly or child appropriate i guess i should say like there are jokes meant for adults that kids wouldn't get but, like, you're never going to see Kermit, like, smoking a joint or something. Yeah. Like, even when, like, the humor does go blue, it's still pretty family-friendly. Yeah. It just strikes me as odd that, that it would still attract, you know, like a Joan Rivers type who's, you know, a foul mouth. Yeah. But she comes on, she, I mean, it looks like she's having a blast. Maybe it was hell, but it looks like it was a lot of fun. I'm just going to say uh, game respect game, you know? <laughs> yeah really talented people recognize when really talented people are doing something mm-hmm. and they're like i want in on that mm. it's like you know if you're at a party and you're like those are the cool people mm-hmm. you're like i want to hang out with them <laughs> so the muppets are the, pe- the the guys in the corner of the room not talking to anyone just texting people on their cell phones oh no is that what cool <laughs> people are these days no they're the fun ones though yeah i mean the muppets they're at a party they'd be the life of the party clearly oh clearly 
The Muppets are, are a weird thing for me because as a kid growing up, I was firmly in animation land. Okay. Like I would, if anything was live action, I'd be like pass for hmm. the most part. I, I really just, and even like, especially live action shows directed towards kids, mm-hmm. they just didn't work for me. I don't know. They didn't capture my imagination or, or anything, but the one exception to that is Muppets. Hmm. Like for some reason, once you put those characters on, on the TV, I was way into it. Hmm. And I think it, it like owes to their cartoonish qualities, I suppose. Yeah. But, um, it was, I could tell it was real, you know, too. I mean, there's an intelligence to Muppets. They're walking that fine line. Like they're trying to entertain both adults and children. Whereas say like a Barney is for kids. Yeah. So, like, they were always sort of trying to be both those things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you're trying to, you know, be all things at once, you just end up being none of them. Right. Uh, But they actually do manage to walk that fine line of being, like, and, I mean, the cameos kind of help. Like, kids don't give a fuck if Joan Rivers or Liza Minnelli's (laughs) in your movie. But They don't know who they are. Yeah, but, like, as adults, like, we find it kind of funny. Like, Liza Minnelli wondering why her portrait at Sardi's isn't up. Vincent, a frog. That alone is sort of amusing to me. Yeah. Uh, Elliot Gould's only line is, <laughs> Hey, watch it. Uh, I'm sorry, but I have to get a contract so I can go out and kill him. Nah. That's all he says. <laughs> and it's like, I get a kick out of like Ed Koch being in the movie. Absolutely. Like, just the fact that the mayor of New York at the time like made time in his schedule to be in the Muppet movie. I'm like... That's all right with That's me. Wild. You oh. know that was a story, too. <laughs> like, Mayor Ed Koch today yeah. filmed a scene with the Muppets. All they needed was, like, Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> he was in that scene. <laughs> he directed that scene. <laughs> anyway, did you like? Did you enjoy the movie? I did, yeah. I think it's high on the entertainment value scale. Oh, definitely. You know, a lot of times I look at things in sort of the Venn diagram of art is one circle and entertainment is another circle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're always looking for the, like, meaty point where the circles meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that this fear is more on, like, the entertainment side, but, like, just the craft of the Muppets themselves. Starts to push it in that middle yeah, zone. P- yeah, pushes it back to that, that art center of things. So I'm going to say it's still in that meeting point of the two circles, Weighted heavily on the entertainment side, but still in that good that good spot. Yeah, I feel the same way. A final thought for you. Mm-hmm. When Kermit's at the restaurant. And he's getting letters from all his friends after they've left. And we get to check in with each, with each character. Rolf is working at a kennel, kennel as like the check-in guy with a bunch of dogs. And so this one dog is brought in. I don't know who the cameo is, but I've seen him around before. But uh, he's got this dog named Schnookums. This is Schnookums. And Schnookums is being held by a hot AF dude. Did you notice that? No. Was he hot AF? Yeah, I, I, I remember the scene, but I don't remember him being that hot. Right. I mean, he's. I've seen this movie a hundred times, right? So I've seen the, the dude act. I've seen the dog before, but this time around, I was like, "Whoa, who's that?" Huh? He's not in the credits either. It's kind of a bummer. <laughs> it's just like wow. Hinders your Facebook stalking. <laughs> it feels weird, like finding attractive people in movies of my childhood, <laughs> but. It's there. Also, if you were to find him now, he would literally be 35 years older. Oh, yeah, it probably wouldn't be that hot anymore. Oh, well. <laughs> do you uh, do you have a movie on tap for next week? I do. So, I'm going to choose one that I've never actually seen. What? But is so universally praised. Uh-huh that I feel safe in picking it. I'm going to pick Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Ah! Uh, I love that movie. (laughs) I've never even seen all the Harry Potter movies, Uh and this is one of the Harry Potter movies that I have not seen, and it's so universally praised that I 
just I feel confident in picking it. So, so that's based on uh, the fact that you've seen some of the Harry Potter movies and you're just sure that this one's going to be your favorite because of the universal praise that's been heaped upon it. Well, this one was directed by Alfonso Cuaron, huh. Gravity, Itumao yeah. Tambien. Uh, First repeat director. You know, uh, what was that, episode 38 of X-Rated, Itumao Tambien? Sure. Um, so, you know, we got a real director making the movie and... Uh, yeah, like I saw, I saw the ones that I have seen. I think I also I saw all in theaters. Okay, but I missed a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And some of the reasons that I saw some of them in theaters were mm, not necessarily because I wanted to see a Harry Potter movie. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, we'll get into that next week. Everyone says it's the best, and I kind of want to find out for myself. Great, I can't wait. Should we plug our junk and get out of here? Yes. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcast. Mm-hmm. We would love to hear what you think of us and put a value, a star value on this podcast. It, is, it really is the best way to get the word out about the podcast. We also have a beautiful spanking website. Is that how that works? It's called... I think it's supposed to be spanking new. Oh, yeah. Beautiful we, spanking but we, website. We spank so many old things that we just we just don't know anymore. Yeah. We have a beautiful spanking website. It's xratedmovies.com. Oh, no, that's really bad now. We have a spanking website called xratedmovies.com. Anyway. We haven't linked that page yet, but it'll be up probably by the time you visit it. It's Ryan and I spanking senior citizens. (laughs) (sighs) You can also uh, contact us if you want to... If after tell that us, you want to contact and us. And tell us your thoughts on Muppets. We are on Twitter, at xratedmovies. Also, we have a Gmail account, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And to find out what's happening or what's the newest, follow us on Facebook at Rated X Movies. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see you next week with Harry Potter 3, The Prisoner <laughs> of Azkaban. Azkaban. Until then... It's time for saying goodbye. Look at us. Here we are. We're leaving. Bye. Bye.